We need to talk. Have you ever had somebody start a conversation with those four words? Yikes. Listen, we can do better, and in fact, we should do better. Ready for this conversation? Let's get into it. Welcome to the Event Fusion Podcast, the place where creativity and innovation meet to help take your event experiences from ordinary to sublime. I'm your host, Vanelle Laporte, and I'm an event fusion specialist, fundraising expert, and entrepreneur. After over 10 years in the events industry, envisioning and producing events that more than doubled revenue for clients and created raving fans out of attendees, I'm bringing you into my world. On this podcast, I'm holding nothing back. I am pulling back the curtain and sharing tips and strategies that will take your next event from frustrating and stressful to lucrative, engaging, and fun, all while keeping your sanity. If you're ready to energize your audience, multiply your revenue, and do more in less time, then you're in the right place. Ready to make your next event your best event? Let's get started. When it comes to having difficult conversations, it's one of those things that as human beings, we just innately don't want to do it. The same way most of us don't like going to the dentist, but we know it's good for us because we need healthy teeth. And if you take care of your teeth, they'll take care of you. Or at least it's what I heard one time on an episode of The West Wing. Hey, no judgment. I love that show and let's move on. But on a serious note, when it comes to difficult conversations, particularly ones around money, now take a deep breath. I might be triggering some people, but stay with me. Particularly when it comes to difficult conversations around money, that is one of the conversations that most of us would rather do just about anything than have that talk with whoever we actually need to have the conversation with. And this is not more true than when it comes to planning your wedding. Now, whether you're recently engaged, which congratulations if you are, or you've had a wedding already, or you've been a part of somebody's wedding or any of those scenarios, then you probably know that weddings aren't cheap. And yes, you can run the numbers, you can do the research, you can look at the blogs, you can pin all the things on Pinterest, but at the end of the day, weddings are going to cost you something. Even if you go to a courtroom and have a very easy justice of the peace marry you and call it no must, no fuss, you're still going to pay something. So for those of you that are actually thinking of taking out mini mortgages, which let's be real, at this point, that's honestly what weddings have become, then this is a podcast episode you really want to pay attention to. And before we jump into this, as a bit of background context for what actually prompted this podcast episode, I posted one of these carousels on my Instagram page. And when I tell you it kind of blew up, it kind of blew up and with very good reason. Because in that post, I actually shared some tips and tricks to have this conversation not be as gut-wrenching or doomsday feeling as most people think it should be and honestly needs to be. And I'm here to tell you, it really doesn't. But here's the caveat. You have to have this conversation with the people that I'm about to tell you very early on in your wedding planning process. And I would even go as so far to say that you shouldn't even start planning your wedding until you have these conversations. So if you're one of those couples that is saying, 
Who needs time to plan? We got two months. It'll be fine. And you're still going to need help from either your families, your friends. You're going to need to save or do something of the sort. This is the conversation you need to prioritize and put at the very top of your very extensive wedding planning to-do list. When it comes to having the money talk for your wedding, there are so many reasons why this can feel like a triggering conversation to have, especially if you're going to need to have it with several people in your life. But I'm here to tell you that the easier way to approach this is to do it proactively and objectively, because here's where I see a lot of couples go wrong. They approach these money conversations, and because money is already a subject that is so emotionally fueled, whether it be through anxiety, fear, or doubt, or scarcity mindset that you might have, or even if you have tons of money, it still doesn't make having conversations about money easier, especially pertaining to particular people in your life. But where I see a lot of people go wrong, especially when it comes to talking about money as it pertains to their wedding, is they don't have an objective viewpoint before they go into a conversation. So what do I mean by that? I mean that let's say you're having to ask your in-laws for support in planning your wedding. You're already going into that conversation with a oh my God, what if they say no? And if they say no, does that mean we can't have the wedding that we want? And do we need to scale back? And what if they put conditions on their ability to financially contribute? Listen, the list goes on and on and on. But at the end of the day, if you approach it from a standpoint of, I'm having this conversation and I'm in a place that I am okay to hear whatever response is going to come, so long as I enter that space with calm, I have a plan in place and I know what my backup is going to be if the response that I get is actually not the one that I want. When we're ill-prepared for a conversation whose intent or more importantly tone we don't yet know, it's so easy to default to the worst case scenario, but it doesn't have to be this way. So here are two very quick and easy ways to prepare for these money conversations with the loved ones in your life. First, be clear about the intent and reason behind the conversation. What this does is it allows the person that you want to have this conversation with ample time to both mentally and emotionally prepare for what they're about to be stepping into. And for the love of all things that are holy and pure, please, please do not start this conversation with we need to talk, whether it is through a text message, which that's probably the worst. Or when you talk to them on the phone, just erase those four words from your vocabulary. Or at least if you keep them, just don't put them all together because that just triggers people. So when you want to speak with somebody, let them know, hey, my wedding is coming up and I'd love to talk about your involvement in it. Would you have some time to meet for either brunch or coffee and leave it on their side? That way they know what you're about to talk to them about, and it doesn't automatically put them on the defensive because you use those four dreadful little words. Next, before you actually start having the conversation, once you've made an appointment and you've gotten them on the calendar to meet with you, you actually want to ask for permission to engage in the conversation before you dive headfirst into it. Why is that? 
Well, first of all, you know what you're going to talk to them about. You've kind of given them a heads up because you didn't use those four little words, but they also still don't know the depth to which you want to have this conversation or what you're going to ask them. So you've already prepared. On the other side, the person you're having the conversation with has not. So one of the things that I always like to do when I'm having conversations that to me might feel difficult, but in retrospect, actually weren't as bad as I was making them out to be in my head is... Are you in a headspace to have this conversation? And I ask that bluntly to the person that I'm speaking with. So I will say something like this. Thank you so much for meeting with me. And I, I'm glad we have a chance to have this conversation. But before we get started, I just want to ask, are you in a headspace to engage in this conversation right now? And if the answer is no, be okay with the answer being no and respect that. Because here's what's going to happen. If you keep pushing even after they give you a non-committal, uh, I guess so, what's going to end up happening is their walls are going to start coming up. They're going to start getting a bit defensive. They're going to start getting a little suspicious. And that's actually not going to lead to either a productive or conducive conversation for feedback if that's what you're going to end up having. So always proactively ask the person across the table from you or on the phone or wherever you're having this talk, hey, this is what I'd like to talk to you about. Are you in a space to have this conversation right now? And if they say no, then the reply to that would be something like, I appreciate the transparency. When would be a better time to actually connect with you about this? And leave it at that. Because ultimately what that will end up doing is two very important things. One, it shows that you respect not only the seriousness of the conversation, but more so the person that you're having the conversation with. And two, it'll actually prepare the person to come into the conversation the next time with a feeling of, I am open to having this conversation and I am ready to listen to whatever it is you need to say. Okay. Now, let's talk about these four very important conversations you need to have before you start planning your wedding and with whom. The first of which is your fiance. Why is this the first conversation you need to have? Well, first of all, because it's the both of you that are getting married. So before anybody else gets involved, before you start talking numbers and you start throwing dollar signs around, the both of you need to sit down and get really, really clear on what it is that you actually want. Because listen, if the both of you are not on the same page, it is going to be so evident to every other person that you talk to about your wedding. And you know that meme that's been going around that says they're not going to know. No, really, they are going to know. Trust me, they are going to know. So before you start asking for people to make financial contributions, ma'am, sir, Financial contributions to what? What is it that you want? How big is this wedding going to be? Do you want it small and intimate? Do you want it luxurious and glamorous? Do you want this big affair where half the town gets invited or only your five closest friends? Listen, there is no right or wrong answer. But at the end of the day, you need to remember that this day truly is about the both of you and not anybody else. Now, I know that might feel controversial because some people might say, well, listen, if I'm financially contributing to this special day, it's a little bit about me. Eh, yes and no. Because listen, at the end of the day, it's those two people saying vows to each other that are going to have to be okay with whatever choices come after the decision that they made to say yes. So that's part one. Get really clear on what it is you want to have for your special day. 
Secondly, when you're talking to your fiance, start crunching numbers. This is a great opportunity for the both of you if you haven't had the money conversation yet, which you probably should do that before you actually say yes, and I do. If you haven't had the money conversation yet, start having it about your actual wedding day costs and your budget. So start crunching numbers and seeing if, do you need to save money? Do you have enough in your savings? Are you gonna be pulling it from a different place? Do you need to ask some people for money? What does it look like? And what is the level of investment that the both of you can independently make before you start having conversations with everybody else? The next conversation to have is with your parents and your future in-laws. And for this particular conversation, I highly, highly recommend that you have everybody in the same room at the same time. Otherwise, it's going to feel like you're playing telephone. Remember back in the day, I might be aging myself, but whatever. Remember back in the day when you played telephone and the thing that the person in the front of the line said sounded vastly different than what the person at the end of the line heard? Well, that's what you want to avoid, especially when you're talking about money. So whether that means that you need to get everybody in the same room in person, on a Zoom call, on a conference call, whatever you need to do, try your best to have this conversation with everybody at the table at the same time. The other thing I will say about this is don't go into this conversation assuming that traditional norms apply. So what do I mean by this? Traditionally, the bride's father has typically paid for either all of the wedding or large portions of the wedding, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. Now, a lot more couples are choosing to pay for the wedding completely on their own with minimal support from family and loved ones, or they're just choosing not to ask for help at all. So when you go into this conversation, remember to keep an objective mindset and be prepared to have a lengthy discussion about what it is that you, your parents, and your future in-laws want to be true moving forward. Now, before you actually conclude this particular conversation, what you want to get really, really clear is who ultimately will be the decision maker or makers if your family actually does financially contribute. Now, this is a sticking point that I see a lot of couples come into where they've asked their family for support in planning any part of their wedding. The families have absolutely been thrilled and delighted to accommodate or support however they can. But when it comes to making certain decisions, that's when very strong opinions come out. So what does this look like? For example, let's say you and your fiance decided that you actually wanted to have a much smaller wedding because it feels more like you, it is more authentic, and it's honestly just what you really want. You don't want the whole hoopla of having 47,000 people that you don't actually know be at your wedding. But then you have a family member come and say, I will absolutely cover the cost to have a much bigger wedding because it's what you deserve. So what do you do then? If they are insisting that you have a much bigger wedding, which is contrary to what you and your fiance truly want to have, but yet they are more than willing to foot the bill for this much bigger production, that's a tough conversation you need to get settled right out of the gate. So when you're having these discussions with your future in-laws, your parents, or whoever it might be that's going to be having a significant contribution to your special day, get really, really clear on who will be making the final decisions on different parts of your wedding. The third important conversation to have is with every single member of your wedding party. Now, before you do that, listen to this. There's actually been a shift in this tradition in recent years. 
Before, a lot of couples had decided that they wanted these large 12, 15, 20 plus people to be a part of their wedding party. But in recent years, couples have been shifting more towards just having the two of them up there and having their other loved ones just be a part of the day and just be a guest and just enjoy it. Remember, the less people you have, the less you have to have these kind of conversations. But if you still decide to go the route of having members be a part of your wedding party, you need to be transparent about what you will cover as the person asking them to be a part of this event versus what you will expect them to cover on their own. I will say this, being a part of a wedding party on average costs every single person that says yes to you about $1,500 to be a part of it. Why? Because they have to cover hair and makeup and tuxedos and shoes and accessories and travel and hotel and, oh yeah, a gift for you. So it is not a light request to ask people to be a part of your day. So keep that in mind as you're starting to build out who you actually want to be a part of your day and if you even need them to be up there with you at all. The next thing I will say is be okay with hearing no. Like I said before, when you're talking to in-laws or your parents, you just have to be really sensitive to people's financial situation. For those that you ask to be a part of your wedding, (laughs) hate to break it to you, but yours is probably not the only wedding they'll attend that year. And if you start adding it up, $1,500 times four separate weddings, that's a nice chunk of change. So if you hear no, remember, a no has absolutely nothing Let me say that again. It has absolutely nothing to do with how they feel about you. And more so, it's just a reflection of where they might be financially. And just remember, the fact that they are saying no to being a part of your wedding doesn't necessarily mean that they won't say yes to being a part of your wedding day in some other capacity. And if it makes sense, find a different way to honor their presence on that day regardless. And lastly, the fourth conversation you need to have before you even start planning your wedding is with your potential wedding planner. Now, pause for a second. In that conversation that you have with your fiance, one of the things that you probably need to discuss is whether or not you're going to be a DIY couple or if you're going to outsource to the experts, meaning you need to hire an event planner. Now, event planners were not cheap, at least not the good ones. Understand that if you decide to go the route of having an event planner, it will take a chunk of your budget, and rightfully so, because the work that we do is not easy. But that being said, you need to determine the kind of support that you will need. If you already know that managing multiple deadlines is the kind of thing that feels like your personal kind of hell, then maybe you probably should think about having some additional support. But If you're somebody who actually thrives on multiple deadlines and managing different vendors and negotiating contracts and looking at spreadsheets and managing guest lists, then hey, maybe planning your wedding is just right up your alley. But remember, being a DIY bride or couple versus having somebody to actually do all of the legwork for you, both carry very, very different price tags. And not just that. But another thing to consider is, even if you don't get a wedding planner for your entire thing and only day of coordination, that's still a very different price tag than if you were just to do the whole thing on your own. So keep those things in mind as you start considering what kind of couple you're going to be. 
Now, if there's one thing you take from this episode, assuming you disregarded everything else, which I recommend you don't, but if there is nothing else you take from this episode, keep this in mind. Do not play the waiting game when it comes to figuring out whether or not you're going to need additional support to plan your wedding. This is true for a couple of reasons. First, if you decide that you need support and it is too late in the planning process, then you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because one of two things is going to happen. Either the planner that you want to help you with your wedding at that late stage in the game won't be available, or if they are, they're going to be astronomically expensive because of the tight turnaround to actually pull this off for you. Here's what I always tell prospective clients. Whether you decide to book an event planner or not, that is totally fine. And look, no hard feelings either way. But what I do want to make sure that you have is all of the options at your disposal with the understanding that there's a deadline to when you can actually call somebody in for support. Because listen, If it's three weeks before your big day, you are sitting up in a cold sweat, you can't sleep, you can't eat, everything feels like it's crumbling around you, well, I hate to say it to you, but it's kind of too late at that point. If nothing else, at minimum, just know what options you have at your disposal and very clearly understand how late in the process you can pull somebody in. Because the longer you wait, the more expensive and time-consuming it gets. Whew! We've covered a lot today, but I'm glad that we had the space to have this conversation because I think it's so important. Listen, weddings are stressful. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But if there's anything at all that you can do to make them feel less stressful, especially in the beginning, then I highly recommend you just do that. Because look, there's going to be plenty of times to fight about the centerpieces, and whether or not those particular shoes go with the outfit, and how many days your wedding is actually going to be, because that's a whole nother trend. Multi-day events are taking over the world, and I can't be more excited about it. I love it. There are so many little things that are going to have inconsequential, often obnoxious discussions and fights over things for the wedding, but talking about money really should not be one of them. If you take this advice and you decide to just proactively talk to the people in your life. Now look, these conversations matter. You matter. Your partner matters. And the people in your life that are going to be a part of your big day matters. So the longer we avoid difficult conversations, what we're actually doing is trading short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. As a quick wrap-up to what we discussed today, here are the four important conversations to have before you start planning your wedding. First and foremost, with your fiance. Next, your parents and your future in-laws. After that, members of your wedding party, and last but not least, potential wedding planners who will be able to step in and provide additional support should you need it. That's all for right now. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Event Fusion Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on the latest event planning and money-saving tips. Until next time.